0: We're going to look at Galatians 3, we're going to look at the first 14 verses, and you're going to hear uh, two things. You're going to hear a bunch of questions, and then you're going to hear a bunch of quotes. Okay, so at the beginning, you, see, you hear this intensity, he's asking them questions. It's, what are you doing? Like, wake up, what's going on there? Uh, and then you see all these quotes, I put a bunch of, just so you know where that comes from the Old Testament, uh, how, he's, how he's saying how Scripture is already speaking the truth of the gospel for them and helping them uh, understand further. Uh, so Galatians uh, chapter three, I'll uh, begin in verse one, uh, hear the Word of God. Oh foolish Galatians! who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Let me ask you only this: Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of God. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, there are those, so then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather. The one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Grass withers and the flower fades. Uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. I pray that it would among us. We want us to look at this passage uh, tonight as the gospel and the prom date. You know, prom has uh, historical origins. Go back to the ancient Near East and the area of Galatia. And not not at all, no. Uh, there's, there's nothing in this passage about uh, prom. Uh, I don't think there was any... Um, Any connections there, but somewhere in my head it goes there, and I think we can understand the passage. I can help us understand the passage if we talk about that way. So if you can use your imagination a little bit, I want you to just enter in with me. You know, enter in with me to that uh, supposed time where prom, like, really mattered. Maybe you remember in your prom, maybe your prom was great, maybe it was horrible, maybe you never had a prom. Um, And really, for most of us, like, prom was never a Big deal, um, but there's that moment in a lot of in some people's life where like prom is the big thing that's coming. So I want you to enter into that, and I want you to imagine that you have that you're going to prom, and that you have the best possible date to prom. Uh, so guys, maybe that's the the just complete knockout girl that you thought was way way out of your league and you would never have a chance with uh not only is she gorgeous and smart and funny but like she likes watching football and playing xbox with you and all that. And like this girl just everyone thinks she's way up there and she is locked in she is gladly locked in with you going to prom and all your friends are like i didn't i didn't know he was that big of a deal like they're they're going together you're, kind of, you're enjoying that you can imagine this right your ladies maybe it's, yeah, for the ladies you're thinking about you know who you don't want to ask you to prom. <laughs> you find out from your friends you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Some other people that you um, that you know maybe are thinking about it. Their friends talk to your friends. They're not really sure who they're going with. They're looking for someone you know each other. Some other people that you're kind of hoping. I mean, nothing's happened yet, but maybe maybe they're going to ask you. Um, or maybe it's like this, you're the, you're the sophomore and you don't even, you're like, no, everyone's talking about prom, but you don't get to go to prom yet. But this senior guy who's like the complete stud in the school who you thought didn't even know your name has been deeply admiring you and sees this as a chance and he's asking you that he wants you to go to prom uh, with him. Cause he thinks that you're great, and you're like, what? All your friends are like, oh my god, I can't believe you're going to prom. Right. I just, you gotta enter in with me, right? Enter in. Here, you, this is. You imagine it, enjoy it for a little bit, right? You can enjoy this. You're getting to imagine going to prom with the best uh, possible day. So you, you get your dresses and your tuxes and you know, flowers, whatever. All this stuff. I've never, I've never understood like the limo thing. I feel like maybe that only happens in the TV or something. It didn't happen in my school. Maybe it did. People are weird. Whatever, you show up for prom, a perfect date, you're thrilled, people are like, this is crazy, coming to prom, but maybe you don't even dance the first dance with your date. You get to the prom, and once you get to prom, you completely ditch your date. You're like, this isn't what I want to imagine. I'm trying to help you understand Galatians. Galatians. You get to prom, best possible date, and you completely ditch your date. You're not talking to them. You're hanging out with other people. You're dancing with other people. You ditch your date so bad that you actually leave at the end of prom. You leave with someone else. Um, it's like, no, you can't do that right now. Um, I didn't tell you this, but your your ex uh, was there too. Uh, your ex, there was kind of this abusive relationship They kind of, on and off, on and off again, breaking up, and they're always saying stuff about you and things you're friends, and the whole relationship was like being wrenched apart, and it took you like a year to get over that relationship. But you start dancing with that person, and you end up leaving prom, not with the best possible date ever, but with this other person. And you're hearing this, and you're like, and all your friends would be like, what are you doing? And if I'm making you enter into the story this way, you're like, no, no, that's idiotic. I want, I want to imagine it the other way. Um, so you get what Paul's saying here. Foolish Galatians, what are you doing? This makes absolutely no sense. You have it all. You have the goods. You have everything's working. And you're throwing it all away for for, for nothing, for something that's only going to end up in uh, more problems for you. Uh just to, here's, how, here's how Paul's talking about. We can just you know, leave aside uh, the prom illustration and move into the passage some, but I think that'll help you just get the mindset in which Paul is speaking to them. It's like, it's like they're out of their mind. It's like they're senseless, they're foolish, they've, they've been enchanted. Some kind of spirit, like what would make sense of someone uh, doing that? They're, they're brainwashed, they're bewitched. Um, and kind of the point of Paul's passage, what he's saying to the, to the churches here, just simplify it down like this, it's, it's this. Don't be an idiot. His plea with them, because they've heard the gospel, but there's, there's this way that they're giving up the gospel for something else that's not as good. And his plea with them is, what's going on? Don't be an idiot. Now, Paul's not calling you an idiot, right? Um, maybe there's times we can, we can relate to that. Uh, but this is what's going on in the church here. They're, they're leaving the beauty and the glory and the blessing of the gospel... Uh, for, some other, for some other thing. He talks about works of law, hearing by faith. They're leaving it uh, for this other way, and Paul's saying, what do you, don't be an idiot. So hear this way. The scripture is for you, right? You don't want to be an idiot. Uh, and scripture is trying to support you in that and encourage you in what's good for you uh, and not getting fought in the trap of something that's just going to, be, that's going to feel like an abusive relationship that just wrenches you apart and leaves you more broken than where you started. Here's the way that he talks about it, and we'll approach it this way, right? Look at him, blessings and curses. He starts off, who's bewitched you? We don't really think in terms of blessings and curses, but he's, he's saying it's as if someone got in your head and, and flipped a switch, uh, put some kind of hex or spell or curse on you so that what makes sense doesn't make sense to you, and you're doing something totally different. If you follow the language of the passage, he talks about this blessing and cursing. Uh, right there's this blessing. Where do we get it? Where does it come from? Uh, and there's this danger of this cursing. We don't think a lot about uh, about don't use blessing a lot, you know, like hashtag blessed or whatever. But blessing just means receiving good. Right? We want to receive good uh, and, and cursing the opposite of that, the condemnation. So look we'll at two sides of the passage as we go into it: um, want, blessing and cursing, wanting blessing. Uh, and taking a uh, cursing to help you follow along with this. Wanting blessing. All of us long for blessing. We long to receive good, right? When we, we hope about our future, uh, we hope that it's good. We hope that things work out. We hope for the day. We hope for the week. We hope for things beyond that. And we want good things uh, to happen for us, and we, we long for that. Uh, And here there's this way that they're longing for blessing. But here's the thing. How do we get that blessing? How do we end up receiving good? There's two approaches to that. And Paul talks about them here. Uh, He makes this contrast between works of the law and hearing with faith. Several times you hear here, works of the law on the one hand, and hearing by faith. If we want to receive good, how's that good uh, going to come to us? And sometimes we think, okay, if we want to receive good, we've got to earn it. We've got to get out there. We've got to do the things that are going to work, they are going to come to us. uh, So the things that we hope and the things that we long to will come for us. There's a certain element of truth in that, and there's something that completely misses it when it comes to the gospel. And we'll get there. This other side of of hearing uh, with faith. And and here, it's, it's hearing the promise of God. This is where the gospel is, that they hear that even though uh, they don't they don't haven't earned some good from God, they haven't offered up to him enough to to please him, even though they've uh, disobeyed uh, his rules and rebelled uh, against him, even though we've done that, the promise of the gospel comes and God says, I want to give my blessing uh, to you through my son talks about Abraham, a uh, hearing that God wanted to bless him and bless all the nations through him, that ultimately comes uh, through Christ and Christ's death and resurrection for us, uh, being a way to get to God's approval, that we get God's approval through his son and what his son has done for us. And the church in Galatia had heard that news, that God promised blessing for those who would rely on his son. Uh, and so he's saying, "Here's, here's this, here's what you're wanting. Here, here it is in the spirit." And now what they're doing is they're acting as if they they, they still don't have it. Right? Um, I'm being clever in a way that like makes sense to me and doesn't come across. So like wanting blessing, I read too many old books, right? And in, in old books they use want differently. Uh, not just like wanting, like desiring, but in old books they talk about wanting as in lacking. Right? Like not, if you're wanting food, it's not just you're desiring food. In a bunch of old books, the way you talk about it is, is if you want food, you, it's because you don't have any food. That's what's going on in the church in, in Galatia. They've received the promise of the gospel, and they're acting like they don't have blessing, that they don't have God's favor, and they've got to find some way to get it. And they hear these people from the church in Jerusalem saying, hey, that's great that you believe in Jesus, but if you actually want God's favor, if you actually want to be accepted by him, approved by him. If you want to find uh, the joy of the fullness of all that God's promises, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law. You've got to follow all God's rules, right? And so they're abandoning this beautiful blessing just comes to you with, I've got to get it together. We we want good, but how quickly do we just go, how quickly do we start to be idiots and go, "I've, I've got to get it. I've got to do it. I've got to be good enough for God to like me. Um, I, I've got to put these things together in order for God to, God to, to, to accept me. And like, you, you see this in Christian culture around you all the time. Uh, and I think we do it to one another uh, a lot of the times where we're not just pointing one another to Jesus. And that Jesus enough for us. We say, if, if you're really Christian, then you better get your life together like this. Um, If you're really a Christian, you better be at this Bible study and you better put on this right type of devotional uh, face and you better speak earnestly about these things. and You better not get into these other things. We start laying down all these rules and you start to feel like if these people approve me, uh, then somehow this is how I'm going to this is how life is going to go well for me. This is how I'm going to get God's blessing. And we give up just the hearing by faith and start adding into what we do we're acting like we don't have god's blessing and we get it through uh, through some things uh, that we can achieve sometimes we just do it like this that we act like jesus isn't isn't blessing jesus isn't good uh, from god and what we're really trying to get is something else and so we use jesus or we use the gospel or we use christianity in order to get what we want um I do this all the time. I'm an idiot, and I need this passage to say, don't be an idiot. Um, I love Jesus. I want to rest in that. And I start doing ministry, and I start praying for y'all, and I start praying for the campus. And and it's not too long before my praying isn't about Jesus' glory. It's about things going well and me looking successful. But I think Jesus is what's going to get me that. And I act like I don't have blessing, I want it, I'm lacking it, and i got to get it through things that I can do. And maybe if I pray more, if I read my Bible, if I'm more devoted in this, or I'm more skilled in this, that this is going to happen. And do you see that? Uh, the gospel's freeing us uh, from that. We're not left uh, wanting a uh, blessing. It, it's promised by God. It comes freely through his son. But when we we try to get blessing, when we try to get good from God by what we do, it actually doesn't lead toward good. It's like that rough dating relationship that leaves you just more lower and wondering what your value is, right? It leads toward cursing. Um, You can look at it, uh, verse 10, pretty clear. Uh, For everyone who relies on the works of the law, for all who rely on works of the law, are under a curse. You're going to be like, really? Everyone who's trying to do a good job and putting all their effort into being a good person is under a curse? That's the way it's supposed to work? Uh, and we get frustrated or bitter because we think, how we can get it and then say, no, we can't get it. Um, but if we put all our eggs in that basket... Just for a minute, I'm going to go back to the problem analogy. It's like leaving away the good and going and le- ditching that date and, and um, going for this horrible relationship. And it's just going to lead you uh, more down, not toward blessing. It leads toward a cursing. Wanting in blessing. Uh, secondly, taking cursing. I remember the, uh, the first time I was cursed out by my brother. Um, he was, uh, he was in high school, I think. Anyway, we had a, we had a weight set, and he was, he was doing some bench press things. I was probably supposed to be spotting him. I'm not sure if he really asked me to spot him, but I was at least nearby, and he was a little overzealous, so he was trying to put more weight on there than he could do. He did a few reps, and then the bar's, like, starting to come down, and he's like, hey, help, David, help. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I like playing with stuff. And the next thing I hear, curse, 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 you little da 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 from my brother. I'm like, what's going on? Um, did get my attention. Thought for just a split second about just letting that rest there and go, what would you say to me? <clears throat> Do you actually want my help? Right, but I remember how much that hurt. This is my brother, and this is the way he's speaking to me. Right? It, it hurts to take cursing. Someone starts cussing you out, and you're frustrated with that, and you're like, why are they so mad at me? And you get defensive in your head, maybe you're going to fight, whatever happens, right? But but it hurts when we're receiving cursing, when we're having to take that. It's not just that someone's cursing at you, um, but there's a condemnation in it. Someone's pointing the finger at you, saying, you're wrong. You're bad. Bad things should happen to you because that would be right. That would be deserving. That's what you're worth. That's what you should come to hurts that's why we get defensive. i don't want to i don't want to hear that Uh, we don't want to hear some of the stuff that paul is quoting to us from the law we're hoping for good things right so we try to do our best and we put ourselves into it and it says everyone who tries to do their best and put good things into it, everyone who relies on the works of the law are under a curse Uh, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them so if there's some moment where you haven't loved other people like you've loved yourself where you haven't loved God with your all your mind, soul, strength, uh, and heart, then, then you're cursed. Then you can't cut it. Uh, and it's not just someone else's condemnation. Uh, God's condemnation uh, comes to us in a curse. Now, that's scary. We don't, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to talk about sin. Um, curse goes straight to what that condemnation from God looks like is rejection. I mean, we, don't, we don't want to, people to talk about hell. Um, not, I don't like getting cursed out by my brother. I don't want to think about God who knows everything that goes on in my heart and in my mind and that I have done and think about him completely rejecting me forever. That's not where I want to end up. And here's this taking encouragement. It says if we're trying to put our best and do all of it into it, if that's what we're relying on, that's where it leads. Right? says the, uh, no, one's, no one's justified before God by the law. Try to do your best and God doesn't ever say, yeah, hey, hey, that was pretty good. Uh, you got by well enough. Uh, I approve you. You're justified. You get in. It uh, says for the righteous live not by the law, but by faith, by trusting God, and relying on what he's done for us. Verse 12, the law's not a faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Only if you're completely fulfilling everything by the law is there hope there. She go taking the curse, and this is why Paul, when he starts this and he talks to the Galatians, and he says, "What are you doing? What's the matter with you, foolish Galatians? Who has bewitched you?" That the first thing that he says is, "It was before your eyes that Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified," right? The the crucifixion, the death of Christ, his crucifixion is is the key thing that matters. If they've known that, if they've been told in such a way that they could understand it and picture that Jesus really did suffer and die as as a sacrifice and substitute before us and that he was rejected by God uh, in that death, then they shouldn't fall into this. There's a lot of mindless Christianity. I think there's a lot of times that... Hey, you know, if you live in America, you've heard about Jesus and you know that Jesus involved, you know, Jesus's death and resurrection are what matter. Don't stop and go, why does the death matter? Why does the crucifixion matter? But Paul's saying, if you know this, you should never be ditching your date, right? If you know this, you should never be ditching your, your, uh, the gospel for thinking that you can do it yourself. Because the crucifixion of Christ means this, means that he took the curse that Jesus took that rejection and condemnation that we're so afraid of, that we want to give some kind of defense for, that we'll put every effort in our life to try to hope that that doesn't happen to us. Jesus took that uh, for us. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us. He brought us back from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us so that he was rejected, so that he called out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, holy, pure before God, was rejected as sinful and cursed because he was our representative, because he stood in for all the nations who can't earn blessedness from God for all people because we can't abide by every word written in the book of the law. He was rejected and he was cursed and if he took the curse it's gone there's not any more there's not any more cursing from God if we look to Jesus this is the beautiful good news of the gospel um, I wrestle with am I enough am I enough as a campus minister am I enough as a, as a husband am I enough as a as a friend as a person am I enough as a Christian doing enough as a Christian? Am I enough as a religious person? Oh, we ask all these questions as if I'm afraid the curse is going to come to me and maybe I found some way that I can grab onto something else. The curse is gone. Uh, for Abraham, he believed God's promise and God counted it to him as righteous. Abraham did nothing but trust that God promised blessing to him. And God said, you trust in me, I'll show you that I'm faithful. And he counted Abraham as righteous, as having obeyed everything even though he hadn't. And if if you know that Christ is crucified, what could make you abandon that? What could make you want to go after uh, your own obedience? Jesus has already taken that curse. He's gone. And for those of faith, those who would rely on Jesus instead of our own efforts promise of God it's the blessing of God it's life uh, and fullness and hope that's the way he see it says it you see it in verse uh, verse 9 um, after God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying and you shall all the nations be blessed and he's talking to those who aren't of the Jewish people these other nations so he says so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith he says it again in verse 14. Uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse, cursed everyone that's hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, might come to us, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. We might receive God's presence with us, uh, his holiness in us, uh, his approval his love that we haven't ever earned and couldn't ever earn but could never be taken away because Jesus earned it and he secures it and he calls us to come to the Father through him I'll be accepted. If Christ is publicly proclaimed as crucified, if we know that, if we hear that message and rely on God's promise in Christ, no cursing from God. Oh, there's freedom, and there's blessing. And there's joy. Right, the fullness of joy is in the Spirit, and so often we act like that joy is going to come through something else. Maybe that joy is going to come through being a good Christian and getting feeling like your life is together, or at least other people looking up to you and feeling like you've gotten it together. Sometimes It comes like being a good student, looking at those grades, and you feel like here's joy. Uh, Sometimes it looks like uh, living it up and going to all the parties that FSU has to offer, and there's a lot of them, and, and, and enjoying some of those moments or enjoying the relationship that you're in and taking that dating relationship as far as it'll go physically and having, here's joy, here's the things that I want. You're wanting blessing, you're, li- you're feeling like this is going to be the blessing, and it lets down. That relationship crumbles, the parties end. Uh, the grades turn into looking for a job, uh, and whatever things we put into, but here's joy. Joy's in the Spirit. Joy's in God's fullness being with you and for you and loving you and taking you to himself and never letting you go. We're not left wanting blessing if we hear the truth of the gospel of Christ crucified and rely on that. And let that shape the way we live our life out of it, relying on what God's done. And we don't have to live afraid of cursing if Christ has taken the curse for us and redeemed it, deemed us from it. So the point of the passage is, don't be an idiot. Um, Hope you're not being idiots. I have tendencies to be an idiot. And the gospel speaks to us in that it's for you and it calls you, I hear. It calls you to freedom in Christ. That you're free, just to go back for a moment, that you're free to go to prom with the perfect date and not ditch the date and go for someone else. Because here's the thing, the reasons the Galatians were ditching the gospel, ditching their date, so to speak, is because they thought they were supposed to. They, they thought if they were doing what's right, then they were supposed to leave that behind and, and, and try to follow the law. Uh, they thought the proper thing was to, was to ditch the perfect date and, and dance with everyone else and, and go home with the X. The gospel frees you to enjoy the beauty of it. Uh, For it not to just be some imaginary thing as I'm talking like, hey, imagine a really great prom and the great person likes you and everyone thinks it's wonderful. To live not like prom, like God loves you and thinks that you're wonderful and has given his son for you and has accepted you and made you his and made you his own and called you his sons and given you his spirit and declared you righteous and shown you his favor and will continue to always give you his favor. And you get to, we get to relish in that. We get to live in the joy of that and the light of it. It frees up from us us uh, from trying to get it all right to enjoy the beauty of the gospel. Christ has been proclaimed as crucified that he's redeemed us from the curse. And so in Christ Jesus, uh, the blessing of Abraham might come to us that we get to receive uh, the promised spirit through faith. We get to receive all of God's hope and love and blessing to us uh, in Christ.